surround yourself with a good network of people. You know, whether it's a cash offer, have a relationship with a banker, you know, uh, real estate, property management, you know, those are the things. Surround yourself with people that have your back and they're in your corner and think like you do. I think that's because it's so hard to do it all by yourself. Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts, and I have a co-host who you might or might not be able to see right now, depending on what screen is recording. Uh, but his name is Matthew Tithke, and we um, are great friends that started this podcast a few years ago, and we are really excited to get new and interesting guests on our podcast every single week. And it's mainly focused towards entrepreneurship and real estate investing. And today, our podcast guest um, is a little bit of both. Someone that we're not too familiar with. We haven't met too many times before. She is uh, an awesome entrepreneur, also a seasoned real estate investor. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into her story on real estate investing and who she is. Her name is Kim Wheeler. (laughs) Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. Of course. We also have a uh, sidekick upon your request. Please tell us who you have with us. I have here with us Robert Colbert. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And we actually know full transparency to our audience that Robert Culver has been our maintenance coordinator and a great friend for many, many, many years. Robert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Of course. Like I said, we want to kind of dive into your history, your experience with real estate investing. And we can even dive into a little bit of your experience in business if that's how the story goes. But for now, um, what kind of got you into real estate investing? What kind of got you interested in buying up long-term rental properties? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on your show. Of course. And uh, I guess to start off, and this is exactly what, you know, when you guys asked me to come on as a guest speaker, uh, Robert Culver, who is also here with us today, was the main reason why I got into real estate. And I felt like it was really important to have him both of us collaborate and tell our story. But if it wasn't for Robert Culver, I wouldn't be where I was at today. So anyway, so basically Robert Culver, he got me into it. Um, He actually, Robert, and maybe you can kind of tell this story as a previous property manager. Okay. Uh, I'll just, let me just say that there's many different ways she can say, Robert, you got me into this. Mm-hmm. You just heard the very nice version. I've heard the other version with with much more colorful expletives involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is the truth. As best I remember it, we were having a good for nothing after. I believe we were in between some of the kids' baseball games. Mm-hmm. And, and Kim stopped by the house, and the house next door to mine was vacant. And it's nothing special, not, not a fancy neighborhood by any means. It's kind of a starter neighborhood. And I said, oh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's for sale. And she said, well, how much do they want for it? I said, not much. She said, well, well what? I said, you ought to buy it and make it a rent house. And she looked at me like I got lost my mouth. What the hell do I know about owning a rent house? <laughs> so uh, maybe 20 minutes later, we're using my special pass key to get inside the house that was vacant. 
and looked around. You would have thought she saw a ghost the way she was walking through there. <laughs> Wouldn't touch anything. <laughs> Had her arm to the side. <laughs> <laughs> so this was in uh, 2004. So I don't know. She said, "What do I know?" But anyway, she said, "What do I know about it?" And I said, "Well, you don't have to. I know. I know about. I've been doing property management for years, and the house needed a ton of work. But I looked at it. I said, well, we can. We can." We can put a lot of equity into this house really fast, mm-hmm. and 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 because they're selling it as is, I feel like we can get a bargain. And I don't remember the price, and so I talked around sixty four thousand. Yeah, uh, well, that wasn't what they were asking. That was what you were willing to pay. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were actually asking like eighty three five. And this is a three bedroom, two bath. I'm assuming three two about twelve hundred square feet over and. Uh, uh, like I said, it was an okay neighborhood. That same house today is worth one hundred ninety-seven thousand wow. dollars. If that tells you what's happened to the market, right? So they wanted like eighty-four. I told her, I said, "Well, you ought to offer seventy-four. She said, "Okay, let's offer sixty-four," because <laughs> that's the way her family thinks. <laughs> and, and I thought, well, you'll never get it at that price. Uh, but what the hell? We put an offer, and I'll be damned. A couple of weeks later, they accepted that offer. Mm-hmm. Wow. And of course, I had to hear "I told you so," but but Kim came to the table with a lot of ammunition. Like uh, she had, she had. Let me tell you, Kim has very good connections, so she had a really solid banker ready to go to work for her. Mm-hmm. She 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 had a good realtor that got the thing done quickly, and she had me. So we could literally go in in just a few minutes of me walking through the house. I kind of had it in my mind what the house was going to need. Mm-hmm. Or as for more investment, and next couple three weeks later, it was bought and closed. She was nervous as I've ever seen anybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she hated it. And she hated me. She hated everything about it for about a month. Yeah, until we got the thing done. Right. And then, then she was like, and "Let me just back up. Say she was over there putting some sweat equity into it herself. Mm-hmm. The boy, you know, our kids, they were all." I think they were about eight or nine at the time. I don't know. How old were you in 2004, Matt? Oh, Andrew, same age. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we were 13 years old. Yeah, you were, y'all were real young. I don't remember. I was thinking you were younger than that. Yeah. Only you know how, what your true age is. But anyway, we had the boys, the boys did what work they could, uh, you know, even if it was just moving trash around. Mm -hmm. Kim, Kim, Kim climbed up in the trees with a with an electric sawzall 30 feet off the ground. I mean, literally, we were doing this, or she was working on the side. I was dedicating all my time to it. She would be up at, at 9 o'clock at night on a weeknight. We'd have floodlights out in the yard, and she's climbing up in the tree, cutting these big-ass branches down. And anybody around her had to be real careful because she wasn't about yelling timber when they were coming down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Kim, um, if I remember correctly, um, at this time, you had three or four cell phones and you were working, uh, you know, overtime at your job. So what I mean, what was it like for, I guess, this to kind of be thrown on your plate at that time? Wow. Well, I think I only had two. Oh, so, oh no, no, no. You, you had like five of those Nextel I, I think, brick phones. I, I don't think I had a pager. You know, it, it was all I've ever known. I grew up in a very large family, um, nine siblings, a total mm-hmm. of 10. Um, that's all we ever knew. We, we just, that's, that's how we operate. We're, we're going all the time, 24-7, have to be moving, doing. 
Um, so, you know, that was the easy part of it. Got it. The yeah. scary part was getting into something that I was in unfamiliar waters. But as Robert yeah. said, I surrounded myself with really good people. Uh, I had a great group of people around me that helped me make this process so easy. So it was amazing. That's awesome. And what was your plan with it? Because obviously you guys, you know, with Robert's help and um, obviously sweat equity and an encouragement, like you guys were, you know, basically flipping this house. Did you want to refinance it or was it your money? I guess whose money was it that you were using uh, to one, buy the house and then two, to finance the repairs? Um, Mine. Okay. We didn't even have to do the financing on the repairs. I, you know, I, I was just a good saver. How about I just say that? So, All right. Yeah. And I think we actually did pay cash for it. Maybe not, but it, it came pretty easy. So it, it was always, we always knew that we would rent it. I don't think we ever had plans at that time to flip it. Our, uh-huh. our so whole plan was to rent it. Right there. Um, was that like your first big and like you were just saving up cash for as long as you could and that was your first big investment at the time right and it wasn't it wasn't saving i wasn't saving the money to get into real estate i was saving money for my retirement yeah for safety net for to put you know to be able to put you guys through college and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so and this is long term i was thinking i never thought about getting into real estate ever well what was the process robert you said she was obviously scared when she was walking through there kind of new territory was this a big conversation to explain how real estate works and why this could be your retirement how did that work out i i don't remember all the conversations i know there was a lot of hand holding that had to go on because uh, you know her better than anybody on this planet she can be very emotional and and she takes she wears her heart on her sleeve so there was a weird 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 dichotomy that had to go on she she wanted to know how would exactly how it worked, but then she didn't want to know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes any sense. But she was more involved in the first one because she just wasn't sure. While she, I know she trusted me with her life. She trusted her banker. Her best friend was her insurance agent. That that was one of her big concerns is liability. I don't want something to happen in this rent house. And then everything I worked for my whole life gets, I get sued my pants off. So that was that was also something that gave Kim a lot of comfort. Isn't that right, Kim? That, yes, that you, I agree. You knew you were very well protected, mm-hmm. and so that 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 made her real comfortable with moving through this. And she was really really easy to work with, except for the occasional fits if the job wasn't going quite as fast as she wanted it to. <laughs> Thank sure, you. Yeah. But Andrew, getting back to your question, as far as I'd love to sit here and say that. Kim had this great business plan projected out over the next 15 years. <laughs> I'd love to say that, but it wouldn't be true. It was, it was, uh, it was just something we just knew. We just knew she could do it. It would be good for her. And so I guess how quick was it before the next one happened? Well, that's a good, that's a good, good question. Cause you know, with all the, the worry, she, this is where her wheeler kicks in. I don't remember how the payment, you know, we, she, we rented it out. We were getting, she, she couldn't believe what we were getting for rent. Well, what, do, what, do you remember what you were getting for it? I believe it was $825 to start. That's awesome. Where, 
where she, she couldn't believe it. I mean, she was nervous right up till the day that people paid a deposit and moved in. And as soon as that happened, she said, all right, where's the next one? Yeah. And then the fire was lit. Because yeah. she, she'd gone through everything from closing to you know, writing the check. Yeah, renovation. The renovation. She saw that, wow, you know, maybe this isn't as impossible as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So we went to the next and we did about one a year for about 14 years. Wow. Or maybe not quite that long. It ended up being, I think it was 14, maybe, maybe a little more. Mm. That's incredible. That's awesome. But and the business plan did not exist, to be honest with you. It really didn't. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. And so that first one, you said you think you remember paying cash for it. Um, and, I mean, how – I guess what was obviously 14 more like, uh, I mean, I don't know your financial situation, but when did you start getting into, uh, using leverage and like getting loans and, and playing around with that stuff? That was probably what Robert, maybe eight. I think we, you, you could have so many where the laws changed like after five, then you had to start paying cash. Well, you got to back up. We started uh, on around number four, getting into some leverage because there was only so much cash sitting around. Right. Right. I mean, you pay $64,000 for a house and you're only getting it back at 825 a month. Obviously, you know, so it was around the third or fourth one where Mm -hmm. we, we really started to understand how to work some leverage and keep the cash available. Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to be long winded, but. I think uh, we got a line of credit at Wells Fargo. Yeah, she, this 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 line of credit, credit. She went to her banker, her personal banker, which you can't discount how valuable Debbie was at Wells Fargo. Uh, she gave him a, a ridiculous line of credit, <clears throat> which gave her a tremendous amount of buying power when she put in an offer. Mm-hmm. Because she would get this line of credit, like this lady right here is a slam dunk closed deal. She'll accept the house as is, where is, paid cash. Closed in 10 days. Right. Right. Um, it was extremely attractive to sellers. So she really could go in and just, oh, I mean, she made some straight up hot garbage offers. But she's like that person that doesn't go to the grocery store when she's hungry. There was never a deal she was worried about losing. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, Robert, you actually taught me this. You said that the person that wins in negotiations is the one that cares less. It's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And Kim couldn't really care less because mm-hmm. we she had a good real estate agent looking out for her. So we always knew there's another deal right around the corner. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were able to walk away. I mean, we walked away from this, a lot of them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and her, I've had this conversation where this was a, one of our first realtors. She, the, the, Kim was really gone on a low ball bench. And I, and, and, and I knew that we could pay 10 to 20 more and still get the deal. But, Kim was adamant. She's holding the line. She had this number that was pulled out of nowhere other than her imagination. Mm-hmm. And so the realtor calls me before she presents to Officer Robert. Could you please talk to her and get her to come up just five or six more? I said, Ivy, if I ask her for five more, she's going to lower her offer by five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> said, Are you serious? I said, I'm not kidding at all. She'll, she'll do it just to punish me for asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She submitted the offer, got the deal, and that's the way things like that work in Kim's world. 
Mm-hmm. Kim, so I guess this might kind of backtrack before your real estate investing career, but like what uh, led you to be that aggressive when it came to getting deals and um, just, be, I guess, operating that way? Well, I probably from my father, uh, okay. you know, wheeler dealer. Uh-huh. We're in sales and, you know, always a family business and seeing how he would talk to customers, develop relationships with people, you know. Uh, probably just learn from him and our whole family, I guess we're all into business for ourselves, most of uh-huh. us. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, like Robert said, I just didn't love it enough. And so I, I didn't have any really any emotional attachments to any of the houses that I bought. To me, they were a means to an end, mm-hmm. you know, most importantly, um, you know, raising two boys, be able to provide for them, be able to give them an opportunity to go to college without having any debt, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be able to give them, you know, something that they, I don't know. I just basically did it for my kids because I, as long as I could take care of them, you know, I would figure out that this income, I could take this for my future long-term retirement and use this, you know, as my, as my retirement when yeah. and actually it, you know, I, I will, that's my plan to do that. So, what 30 year, 30 year process. I mean, you still have a lot of debt and you're still paying them off. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that we always preach is like, there's a ton of sacrifices that go into buying one a year or two a year, because, you know, that's probably one less vacation that we took growing up or whatever right. it would be. Um, you know, that's what I'm so passionate about is like, you did this all while having a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And, and it took 14 years to get 14 and you're still 10 years, 15 years beyond that. And you're still in the middle of the process. Right. We right. all preach exactly. that. It's such a long game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the other thing too, Andrew is, you know, when, when Matthew decided to go to Corpus and I wanted him to live on campus in a dorm and it was just one year, I wanted to get that college experience. But when I realized, you know, he was going to live off campus you know, I thought, well, I'll go buy a house in Corpus. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm going to pay rent. You know what I mean? You know, and it was enough where they had several renters in there. So it made sense because they were paying down my mortgage. Right. And yeah. Matt we, was living there for free. Yeah. So, and, and there's a huge story to this. Like Robert and I, uh, you know, basically decided Robert found it, I believe. And he's like, we got to buy this house. And then, um, you know, I've been very blessed, obviously, to, to see this stuff and be around it. But back to the sacrifices, like Robert and I both lived there together while, I mean, it was trash and we worked on it. And, you know, Robert did 99% of the work, uh, but then we just filled it with roommates. Like we were like, where, where can we add another room? And we would get another $700. And it was at one time, I think there were seven or six or seven guys in there all paying $700 a month. Um, yeah, it sucked. Like in some ways, living with that many people, like it was, it was a party house for sure. Uh-huh. But I thought there were only four roommates. Yeah, but Robert basically <laughs> lived there and worked on it for yes. at least six months. It seems. Six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, Robert. Uh, so, um, were you managing uh, Kim's properties in Round Rock? Yeah, that's when Matt Matt was still in school. Well, I mean, he was a kid when we first started. And right. We, yeah. We managed their properties up until Matt, you know, graduated and came back to Round Rock, and 
they, they planted their flag and took over. But, right. Yeah. I mean, I know from, you know, working with you for the past, you know, three and a half, four years that property management is tough. And so were you a one man show at that time? No, it was my wife, but my wife and I, I mean, it, we were mom and pop. It was, it was small. We, it, when we first started with Kim, we probably only managed about a hundred doors, but we gradually just let it fall away. Cause it wasn't a business we were interested in staying in forever. Yeah. It, 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 it takes a lot of energy. For sure, yeah. A lot of sacrifices. Yeah. Did you have other clients, Robert, that, that did similar things as far as they, their goals were buying a couple a year? or? Yeah, they, they did, but none, none that had the success that Kim did because they didn't, they didn't have the people around them that she did. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to say that I was that integral, but they just didn't have the support or the confidence that they, they – Kim had in me when I could go. Well, you know, a lot of the, you got to remember when these deals pop up on the market. I mean, the vultures are going to pick at it quickly, and the banks are ready to take the first good offer that comes to the door. Well, as some investors, they've got to go have their engineer look at it. They've got to get all these big estimates where you're paying twice as much because you've got to get hire a GC to manage the job. Well, we could we could move in and after spending a, ten minutes in a house, I knew if it was a good one or not. And nobody else had that. Nobody else that had the the, the hoods but put down that down payment had that available to them. So we were able to get our foot in the door first before anybody else. If that was it, was it super competitive? I mean, was it a hot market back then? No, it was. It was. Uh, it was not the beginning. Not at the beginning. It, it did get a little tougher as time went on. Uh, here's the thing that wasn't happening back then that's happening now is we didn't have the, you know, the California money comes in and out of the Austin area in cycles. Whereas right now the California money's here and it's looking, the California money had kind of retreated at that point because the California economy was having its own struggles. So they were, they were in deep, the California investors were in defense mode. They weren't playing offense Mm -hmm. in central Texas at the time. So that was that worked out to her benefit as well. So I guess we we've, we've talked a lot, uh, Kim, about your uh, how you built, uh, a, I guess, a good team, right? You mm-hmm. built a lot of relationships and surrounded yourself with a lot of good people. And obviously, in I guess your real estate investing career, it came to fruition uh, in the beginning, right? So you like, like, oh, well, I got a banker, I got a realtor, mm-hmm. I got an insurance agent, uh, but obviously, you didn't like plan for years and years that you knew this moment would happen and that you'd have all these people around you. So like what, I guess, what about you or, or I guess what led you to, to be, to build those relationships with, with those people, I guess, was it just, I think it was the way we were raised, uh-huh. you know, I, I mean, our whole family is, I always, I, I think we're outgoing, friendly, we're, we're, we're people, you know, yeah. we like to interact with people. That's where we get our energy from, you know, it sparks joy. So uh, there's not probably a shy one in the bunch. And mm-hmm. so growing up in a large family, you know, you had to be loud, you had to be heard, you know? So I, I would say, you know, all of us have really unique qualities, but I think we're pretty outgoing we're enthusiastic people. We're hardworking. We're driven and we love people. We love people. We've just, you know, we're, that's what we're about. Honestly. Yeah. Where do you fall? I guess in the, uh, with the, I guess your brothers and sisters, are you oldest, youngest? I am the, the ninth, the ninth, the bottom. 
Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm near at the bottom, not the yeah. baby. They say, they claim that I'm the baby, but I'm yes, I'm the ninth out of ten. So yeah. So I bet you had to like kind of like maybe earn your earn your stripes exactly. when it came to exactly exactly. Yeah. But you awesome. know, and Andrew, another thing too, I was thinking about this is realizing I didn't realize this till later, but my father was heavily invested into real estate. And I found this out many years later. All I ever knew is him working and he probably did it later on in life. Mm-hmm. But growing up and raising 10 children and owning an asphalt business, uh, all of his sons work for him. I mean, they were constantly busy during the summers. Most of the time, in the winter times, they would snowplow. But I think later on, uh, he started getting into real estate and buying uh, commercial properties and uh, just land. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really interesting. So I think maybe all of, probably for all of us, we're all in some, we all have regular jobs, but we also invest heavily into real estate. Don't you agree, Matt? Yeah, I never knew that. Uh, Grandpa had a bunch of property. That's crazy. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, I would say maybe half of half of them are interested in real estate. Yeah. So you, I guess, mentioning that your father got into some commercial and some land. Um, do I guess is all the property that you own right now? I know you're saying you're adding basically a house a year. Mm-hmm. Um, are you still just only invested in residential, or have you ventured out to other areas? No, just residential right now. Now okay. I think uh, maybe here in the next few months. Uh, you know, and, and I will talk with, with, with people, um, but thinking about getting into the commercial side of it as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something I'm kind of interested in, you know, I haven't done it, so it would be a new challenge, but it would be kind of exciting. Right. And taking a different direction because it's always been single family dwellings. Mm So, you know, it's just, it's just something new and it's interesting and it's exciting. And so I'm thinking in the next year or two, uh, moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Just to back up a little bit, when you guys were building this, you said it, it wasn't super hot and then it got hot. And then obviously there was the, you know, 2007, 2008, nine crash. Uh, I, I'm curious what that was like. And I'm also curious if there was any point that you ran into where you're like, man, what, what did we do? We're super scared, like nervous or, or was it all kind of just, you know, all goods one at a time? How did that, look well robert I'll, I'll i'll tell you one thing and you could probably start but uh you know again we had a very aggressive aggressive realtor and she was amazing um she would go and knock on people's doors that were almost going to be in foreclosure right robert That's right. wow so it ended up being a house in the neighborhood um she knocked on the door and he answered and maybe that was just you know I don't know how it happened, but he wanted to meet us. And it's the first time I've actually ever went to go meet a client. And we went over there. We viewed the house. Uh, he was going to lose his house, what, in two days? Yeah, he was within just a matter of hours from having the sheriff mm-hmm. at his front door. Wow. With his high school we, daughter that were going to be put, literally put on the street. And he all, so we sat down at the kitchen table and Andrew, he hadn't packed a thing. I looked around, there there wasn't a box, there were stacks of lottery tickets. It, it was a very sad situation. Um, we sat down, we talked to him, he told us what he owed, um, what he owed on the house, and we made him an offer of 
paying off his house and and putting a sizable amount of money in his in his pocket. Mm. Um, I don't know what year that was, Robert, but he was able to his daughter was able to finish up her last either junior and senior year or senior year in high school. And that pulled at both of our heartstrings. And, you know, every time I thought about that, we come across situations where I would say, what would your what would your dad do? <laughs> right. It never failed. Yeah. So and, you know, you always you know, it's great to have real estate, but also if you can help somebody so they don't lose their home because they've come across some, you know, unfortunate situations. And so at that point, you know, we, we made him an offer. And like I said, we put some money in his pocket and he accepted. And I don't know what year that was. Do you remember? 2000. I don't recall, but it's been well, over 10 years ago. Well, so he's still, he's still there. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you, okay. So basically you took over, you, you bought his house and then he became your tenant. So he started paying rent to you. Yes. Were you nervous? I mean, obviously that was like in a, an emotional situation and you were very, you know, extremely generous to, to help him out. But did, was there any thought that like, Hey, if he's falling behind on his mortgage, what's the promise that I'm going to get rent from this guy? There wasn't. I, I just, I think his reaction, he was, he was, I don't know, Robert, you can, he was just very extremely emotional. And I felt actually, like he wouldn't do that. Actually, but. actually at the time, Andrew, we had yeah. every expectation that it would not work out. And oh, wow. I want to back, I want to back up to how she ended up getting this deal. Now this particular deal, it was on the rotting report, which is the list of foreclosures that goes up. And that's where our bird dog realtor Ivy found out about him and just cold called on him. He'd already been. He'd already had several investors in his living room, but Kim offered a nugget that none of the rest of them would. He only owed eighty thousand dollars on the house. So what Kim did is said, "Look, without going into how much the house is worth now, let's just say it was a very good deal." She offered him. She offered to pay off the mortgage and put twenty thousand dollars into his pocket to get him to let him get caught up on personal expenses. Let his life get out of chaos. Let it and and turn around and let let him lease the house back at a at a fair price. So his daughter. With the time, we didn't wanted to help him get his daughter. Let his daughter stay there until she could graduate Round Rock High School. Mm-hmm. And here it is, over ten years later, he pays every month, and he's still paying down. It, it's just a. I mean, but that's the thing. She came with a with something nobody else was willing to offer, mm-hmm. which is very generous. That's amazing. And she saved his life that day. I have no doubt that he would probably not be alive today if it wasn't. Wow. Who came up with that offer and that idea? That was Ivy. Ivy kind of bounced it out there, and then Kim was receptive. And this is one of the rare times Kim didn't try to lowball because – she and she had, she was so pissed that he why you drag me in here you know you know I'm gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was tough, but you know then Andrew we had a second one, um, same thing a house in Florence and the lady was probably in her 80s and she was taking care of her, her mother that was probably early hundreds, mm-hmm. and it, it really didn't it really wasn't a good deal. Um, but they were going to lose their home. Um, so we decided we we're going to do it. And we asked them certain things if they had other liens. Uh, she said no. Then we find out she has liens. 
And that was just another thing. I thought, Robert, what am, what are we doing? Yeah, I was so scared. And again, he, you know, it said, you know, what would your dad do? And I was like, okay, it's really not a good deal, but I'm going to do it. And I, I'm going to trust you and, and hope that, you know, at least these people aren't going to be thrown out. They were, they were elderly. And, um, unfortunately, you know, I, I went and did it and I'm, I'm glad I did. But at the end of the day, at the day of closing or after we closed on the house, uh, Ivy went out there to have them sign a rental agreement and they refused to. So unfortunately, we, yeah, we had to, it was uh, foreclosed, right? Or we, I'm yeah, they, 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 they reneged on the whole deal that we'd worked out for them to continue to stay there and lease the place. So that's where, that's where our company stepped in as a management company. And we, we started the eviction process. That's oh. why I did. That's where I had to just, that's what this was probably the, hardest part that Kim's ever faced on one of these deals because I had to just push her away and just say don't just stay out of it you know mm-hmm. you don't want you don't want to see the ugly side that's about to happen mm-hmm. and, that was tough she tried to separate herself from it but I could sense for a long time I could sense it, that that really hurt her so mm-hmm. you know that's the problem with Kim is she's just she's got such strong emotions in both directions Mm-hmm. And it, that's the hard part for some investors is they can't separate themselves from the people inside the houses they own. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and that's why you have a property management company. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Very. Yeah. I, I couldn't have done it without having Robert with the property management and, and now Matt and Lexi, because you have to have that separation and that distance and, you know, uh, I, you don't want to get to know their stories. And especially for me, you don't, you know what I mean? Cause I would cave or say, okay, just let him have this. Or, you know, if you mm-hmm. want to run it, you got to get a property management company. Hey, yeah. funny, yeah. uh, Sam, my younger brother for the listeners and your son is calling Lexi talking property management, asking her questions. And he literally told her like two days ago, I now understand why I should hire a property manager. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. He's, yeah. There's just something about it where, people realize it's a business mm-hmm. and they, they don't try to take advantage of it where with an individual like my brother, he's you know trying to work with them and try and be nice or whatever. And, and then they realize, Oh, there's negotiations here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's way, it's way different whenever it's uh, humans talking instead of a business. It's uh, you got to create that separation. Even I, so, I mean, I've used a property manager ever since I started uh, investing in real estate and even I, so I just bought a duplex a few months ago and my uh, renters on the other side, I'm living on one side, the renters on the other side wanted to move out early and they're a young couple and they were about to get married and they said they bought a house and they wanted to end their lease early. And that was like uh, pulling on my heartstrings because they're newlyweds. They're my same age. I, I felt like how they felt whenever I was trying to buy my first house. I was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Move out early. It's fine. And now <laughs> that side's been vacant for like three or four months and I'm struggling to find renters. And so I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should have just said, <laughs> talk to the property manager. Exactly. But lessons how learned. Early, how early was it that you let them out? Uh, I let them out. I let them out three months early. (laughs) But I was like, uh, my thought process was obviously, you know, the whole emotional side. And then I was like, Oh, I could get more in rent. And then freaking coronavirus ruined everything. That's what I was going to say. Like typically that's like not that big a deal, but you ran into freaking COVID and right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when did your property 
uh, go up for lease again? Was it? My property, it went up for lease in February. Oh, man. Oh, you got March, April. I mean, come on. I know. I know. But, less, I mean, lessons learned. Um, I guess, Kim, kind of going back to you. So, like, speaking of that time of, you know, that house in Florence and then kind of referring to how I learned that lesson, you know, with using a property manager – Every investor that I've talked to has said that they've either, you know, had one loss, like there's, you know, there's got to be one, um, or there's a lesson learned. Like, I guess there's that quote that you don't know what you're made of until you get punched in the mouth. Right. Was, was there ever a time that you had a loss or there was a scare within your real estate investing career thus far? Wow. If not, then, I mean, luck, good on you. <laughs> well, does it include the house in Corpus that burnt down? Oh, Wow. Now, and that, that to me, it, it actually, that was the house that Matt lived in. And then the biggest thing is to find out that it caught on fire and, and we knew people were living there. So the fear of thinking that somebody had gotten hurt, I mean, that's, that was, uh, and nobody did, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, it burnt down, not all the way down, but nobody got hurt. So I, I would say something like that, that happens to a house that, that you, that you own, that you're running out. I mean, it's. That was kind of scary for me, but no, you know, all in all, at the end of the day, I think, and I was telling somebody earlier, getting into real estate was the best mistake that I ever made. Honestly, it, it, it just happened. And I am fortunate that it did happen um, because it's provided a, a, a means to an end for, for the boys. And now that they're adults and stuff like that. So yeah. You know, I got in at a great time and, you know, we're going through this COVID now and it's, it's a little nerve wracking because then yeah. again, you guys, we go through here and we have people that aren't able to pay rent, mm-hmm. you yeah, know? Yeah. So. Well, one thing, one thing I like to point out, mom, is like, you've got, I don't know, 16 properties or so, but you still work every day. And that's what I don't think people realize is they, they hear, oh, someone has 16 houses. Why aren't they living on the beach doing nothing? But that's the whole point that I always try to preach is it's like consistent sacrifice over a very long period of time. Absolutely. Like like you're, you have a lot of houses, but you still, you don't work because you want to, you have to work. Right. I mean, for a little bit longer. Right. Uh, Right. And you've made a ton of sacrifices to do that. And having 16 houses sounds cool, but, and it is cool, but it's not just like, you're just collecting rent every single month. You got right. mortgages to pay, taxes, insurance, mm-hmm. expenses. Renovations. One day it will get there, right? But that right. that's going to be 30 years after you started in some ways. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, you know, and another thing too is that, Andrew, um, and the reason why, part of it too is with me working, I have, I'm, only have three houses left and everything's paid off. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, you just you just did a, a huge refinance. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. right. So like I paid off seven. Year. We're going to pay off another one, and then so I'll have uh, three houses left. Man, so, that's, yeah, that's amazing. That's that was the biggest thing is try and pay them off as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you still so with? Is that the current goal is to pay those off, or are you still looking for more to add to the portfolio? That is the current goal. But okay. if I come across a really good deal, I absolutely would jump on it for sure. That's Robert, awesome. Robert, I think you had a couple of things to say earlier, and then again, I want to I want to brag on Kim. She was brilliant without knowing it because of her strategy from day one. 
She was she never wanted to be super aggressive from the rents because nothing made her more nervous than a vacancy. She right. could literally, literally lay in bed at night and just hear the money getting sucked out of her bank account. So she, she, our marching orders were make the rent reasonable. And part of our plan always was buy moderate income homes. Mm-hmm. You can really get in trouble if you go out and buy the half million dollar homes that have really high rent. Mm-hmm. But if you if your house is in that nine hundred to fifteen hundred dollar a month range, you're always going to have right. a target. And so we never, once we got them renovated, we never had any trouble getting them occupied at a fair price. And another thing that Kim was brilliant without knowing it, she trusted me to make the best decisions on maintenance. Mm-hmm. If people need new stoves, they need new hardware. We always took care of our residents. And if we, if we could go back and look at the average length of the residents at each of our homes, I would stack that up and put my yearly paycheck against any other property owner. Just because she let them feel like it was their home. She mm-hmm. kept it maintained. She kept it safe. In return, she wanted the yard mode. But other than that, she wasn't invasive. She wasn't like, you know, she wasn't like some of these owners that want to go charging in looking at things every month. Mm-hmm. For better or worse, they 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 love they feel comfortable living in her house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they made it their homes. And they there wasn't a turnover rate. I mean, a lot of people have lived there. At least 10 oh, years. There's a few that's oh, even yeah. more than oh, yeah. So that's kind of nice. And you sit there and think that that becomes their home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They've lived there right. for long. They It wasn't the same home and it was much better than when I bought it. So gardens and flowers and planting trees. And if you take care of your renters and you, you know, and take care of the house and I think you're real attentive to their needs and things that they want and you know, when things need to get fixed to do it in a timely fashion, they're not going to leave. So, which is amazing, especially if these people have families, you know? Right. So. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Um, Well, so we're getting uh, around, I guess, to our our time limit, but um, I don't want to uh, skip over the fact that we've talked about how you still work full time, you know, on then you do your investing on top of it. Um, So do you want to tell us what you do currently and who you work for? Currently, I'm with RDC Paving. We are an asphalt paving maintenance seal coat striping company, and we're located in Hutto, Texas. Um, and so, um, and you, you operate all over the, I guess, central Texas, Austin area, all over, even outside Georgia, we, we, we will travel. Um, wow. we have what about is, 20 people. So what I'm really is excited R- about it. That's awesome. What does RDC stand for? You know, honestly, uh, <laughs> I'm not really quite sure. <laughs> Retention, development, corporation or something like nice that. that's a good yeah something that sounds like that. that sounds Absolutely. right so that's uh, awesome the guy that i work for his name is uh ryan Rowland. he's 28 years old and he has the same drive and passion and you know uh treats his employees well and his customers and here's another thing and going into business with ryan our next step is to find some land instead of renting our property in Hutto, texas Right. Buying some property, building a shop and an mm. office on it with other existing structures to offset the rent. All right. And mortgage. I mean, for our mortgage. So that will lower that. So that's kind of where I was leaning into going on the on the uh, commercial side, commercial side of it, doing something ourselves and even renting out 
parcels of land. And so right now, uh, you know, but that's, that's between a one to two year plan. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what we're hoping to do. That's awesome. That's actually looking for some property for us as we speak. All right. Yeah. You got the right guy. I know it. I know it. (laughs) Um, Well, so we like to end our our podcast um, asking you, what is one piece of advice or the most important thing that you uh, would tell a young entrepreneur or in this case, a young real estate investor? Probably biggest advice is surround yourself with a good network of people, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a cash offer, have a relationship with a banker, you know, uh, real estate, property management, you know, those are the things. Surround yourself with people that have your back and they're in your corner and think like you do. I think that's because it's so hard to do it all by yourself. Mm-hmm. And you got to have a lot of people out there, you know, taking your interest and, and you know, wanting to do what's best for you. So I'd, I'd say definitely surround yourself with really good people to help you, you know, again, the, the financing, the property management side of it, the real estate side of it, the banking side of it. That's awesome. Very so, cool. Absolutely. Uh, well, Matt, do you have any, any more questions before we close out? I would, I would ask the same question to Robert before we leave. Yeah. Uh, part of this thing is that we, we like to give the advice to our listeners, but it also comes to us. That's one yeah. of the cool things about this podcast. So every time we ask a question, we, we get you know some advice. Every time we have a new podcast, we get to meet somebody new. In this yeah. case, not so much, but you know, we've, been, we've been trying to do a lot of what you're saying um, along the way, you know, build every podcast is a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Robert, same thing. Like, uh, you know, part of what, why we're doing this is to help young people that, that might have never thought about real estate or heard about it. I feel blessed to have heard about it at a young age and seen the benefits. Um, you know, if there's, you know, 20 years old, 25, like advice to someone just starting their career as an entrepreneur or, or interested in real estate. I don't think I can say it much better than Kim did, honestly. Uh, look at look at somebody that has succeeded in whatever you're trying to do mm-hmm. and try to follow that pattern. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just like she said, so you get people that you really trust, really trust. Because Kim knew that I knew that if I let her down, that she was going to have body parts removed from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and and I went to bed every night knowing that, and every person she has a relationship with know that that that. So I guess my advice would be just what Kim said: just admit, realize you don't know everything, mm-hmm. and somebody somebody somewhere always knows more than you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Be willing to admit that. I see I see investors getting a lot of jams when they just think, "Oh, I got this. I got yeah. this." I agree. And, you don't got this. <laughs> you didn't look at it close enough. I've heard if you're if you're the smartest guy or, or woman in the room, there's a problem there. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of that too. So I agree. Yeah. And you know the thing too, and Andrew is going on the other side. If I look back on it and you know, I was young. I thought that was a lot of money back then. I wish I would have done six in one year instead of, you know, one every six years. Mm-hmm. But I don't have any regrets. I did make a lot of sacrifices and, you know, I, I have reaped the benefits and I will continue to reap the benefits long-term, but if you're willing to make the sacrifices, 
you know, maybe not going out to dinner all the time or going on vacations or whatever, you know, do it while you're young. I mean, you can do it anytime, but if you're younger, it's even better. Uh, you probably don't have to work as long, but um, absolutely, it's worth all the sacrifices as well as well as you know, right? You made yeah. the sacrifices. You now have, you know, several and, you know, it all pays off at the end, you know, if you're willing to make that sacrifice. For sure. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, well, Robert and Kim, I mean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I love both you guys a whole lot. Y'all are awesome people, and I'm so glad that y'all are uh, in our lives. Um, Matt, any closing comments? Oh, that was a great one. I appreciate everyone doing that and had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Andrew and Matthew and Robert. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome, to our- guys. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. To our listeners, we are signing off. Thanks, guys.